Okay, so I know many of you guys are asking my thoughts about Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency, where do I see the future? And yes, I have caved. <laughs> so I'm going to spend two episodes to kind of establish a base case as to why I love blockchain. But, you know, I don't plan to own Bitcoin and I don't have a very positive outlook about the Bitcoin future. If you are a Bitcoin maximalist, you may want to flame me. But for everyone else, you know, I'm really just putting my spin on this thing and trying to share with you how I see the future from here. And I hope at the end of these two episodes, you have a broader understanding of what's going on because I am neither like an outright bull or like a, you know, pure bear. So I'm kind of like in between looking at this, the whole case and trying to give you and give myself a better understanding. So yes, welcome home. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. Now podcast debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And in this two-part series, we're going to dive down into why I do not own Bitcoin, but I'm actually super positive about the blockchain future. So following the success of the previous two-part series, we're going to go with another two-part series. Also because, you know, these topics are very heavy, very hard to kind of squeeze everything into one. All right, so yeah, we're going to dive into this very, very exciting future of blockchain, crypto, Bitcoin, you know, everyone's talking about it. And somehow it seems like there is nobody that's really sitting in the middle and everybody's just kind of like, yeah, or like, no, you know, it's like, <laughs> so no, nobody's really trying to give you a perspective. I know recently Dalio published an article, or Dalio, much of my friend, but yes, Dalio published an article um, that was pretty comprehensive. I think the Financial Horse also published another article about this thing. So definitely check out their articles. Um, I've read a little bit of it and yeah, I felt like we were very aligned. <laughs> So in part one of this two-part series, we're going to focus on blockchain and I'm going to give you some uh, base case for why I think uh, the blockchain future is here to stay and it will continue to thrive, okay? So a little bit of a context, I used to work for a cloud computing company, right? So it's an infrastructure as a service company. So I do have a little bit of uh, insight into how data is being managed. How do things actually work? in the data center and, you know, why physical servers, cloud servers, those kind of stuff, right? So I'm not a techie. I cannot, like, recreate all those things, but I can actually have a decent explanation as to how they actually do it. And to me, that is why I'm super positive of blockchain because my experience in the data management field has gave me this basis to work with to try to understand what is going on. 
And without going into the technicalities of data management, of course, it's not like I can give you. <laughs> I'm not a techie. The broad idea is traditional data, you know, which comes in all forms, okay, from your TikTok videos to your tweets to your documents to your codes. You know, um, they all form uh, different kind of data, but they're all stored, okay, in giant data centers. So that is the traditional way of data management, okay? So all these things that you're uploading online, you know, you're sending your friends some tweets, you're coding something, or you're doing some research and you gather all these data, right? They're all stored online and they are actually not in the, like, like cloud, you know, <laughs> they are all stored in a physical data center, okay? And these data centers are huge. Uh? They're like industrial buildings. They are like your schools, you know, that kind of size. And inside these data centers are packed with servers, right? So what are servers? Servers are essentially just like super high quality computers. They have no display screen, okay? So the physical laptops that you use, the computers that you use, actually, you know, why they are what they are is because they have a display screen. But everything that is processing all the things from your hardware, you know, um, different kind of SD, your HD, you know, uh, SDD, HDD, you know, all those kind of physical hardware stuff, they form the server. Okay, so just imagine a lot of computers that are very, very high quality without display screens stacked on top of each other. Okay, so those are servers and they are stocked in server racks and the server racks are all laid out in a data center, a little bit like a matrix vibes, okay? So instead of envisioning all these data, you know, sending somewhere and going nowhere, they're actually going through the internet highway, the internet ecosystem to get to all these data centers and stop there in physical vaults. So it's kind of like a vault, right? So everything that you do, everything that you, you create online, they're all, you know, being sent to this vault, okay? And most of these data centers are actually owned by giant organizations or like big cloud companies like Amazon Web Service, Google, Microsoft Azure, Alibaba, or like Facebook has their own, you know, data management system also. So they have their own data centers. And actually the Singapore government also has their own data centers, which is a fun fact, okay? Recently, there are a lot of breaches, right, over the past few years because they have been trying very hard to kind of put a lot of our personal data, like the citizens' personal data, onto the public cloud structure, right? Which is, you know, on Google or on Amazon, you know, or just kind of give developers access to those, you know, data. In the past, right, they use intranet, right? So for, for everyone that, that, you know, go to the army before, work in the ministry before, you know that the intranet system has no access point to public. So it is built within the closed loop. So the only way to compromise or to hack that system is to literally bring a physical thumb drive or physical hardware to go in and jeopardize with, you know, direct connection into the physical computers within their ecosystem, right? Whereas if you go online, when you go onto the public cloud, right, the internet, then, yeah, you got a lot more touch points to attack it. And so for everyone that wants to learn, you know, how actually does the internet work, right? There is this one video on YouTube that is amazing. So let's go to YouTube and search how the internet works, okay? It's by Learn Engineering. And they talk about exactly what we are trying to talk about, right? How does the internet work? You know, how the internet cables work, the data centers, you know, your Wi-Fi systems, a lot of those things, they all, you know, discuss. So I think that is a great video, a great place to start to try to understand the global data ecosystem with internet as the highest way, you know, of transmitting data.
Okay, I hope you're still with me here. We are going to blockchain very soon. But the basics, you know, to understand this is the traditional data management system essentially is all stored in the big data centers. I think Singapore has about 50 to 60 of these data centers. And yeah, all the data is being stored there and through the internet system, they get transmitted all around. And then where does blockchain come in, right? How does blockchain re-envision this data system? Which brings me to point number one of why I am so positive about the long-term future of blockchain. Number one is that blockchain is immensely more secure because of the way it is being built which is why I had to spend like five minutes to talk about the traditional data management system of data centers and internet highway. So then when you re-envision how this blockchain works, essentially it is a big web of many, many small computers, you know, putting in their computing power to manage the data within this ecosystem, which is the blockchain ecosystem. So then why is it more secure by managing things this way instead of a centralized data center to have a big web you know, of different, different um, computers running the blockchain? Number one, of course, is because there is no clear attack point, right? It's very hard to pinpoint where exactly things are. So it's very hard to attack it directly. But more importantly, in the blockchain, every one of these computers actually runs the same set of codes. So when they run this same set of codes, they are cross-checking each other at any one point in time, which means, to put it in simple terms, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, I know you're all waiting for this line, for lack of a better way to put it, in order for the blockchain to be breached, right? That means data to be leaked out or, you know, the codes to be changed and whatnot, you have to attack every single one of the computers at once, which is virtually impossible, which is why a lot of them say, a lot of these blockchain enthusiasts say that it is impossible to, you know, compromise the blockchain. It's impossible to attack it. So you get the idea, right? Instead of having one central location where you can attack, and then, you know, just kind of compromise, leak the data, change the codes and whatnot. This technology does not allow you to do that because you have to kill everything at once. If you try to compromise one or two, you know, computers within the space, which many of them call it nodes, um, it, it will sound the alarm, right? And then every, every other node will take over its work. Right? So there is no simple way to kind of attack it unless you, you know, kind of kill everything at one time. Lah. Of course, one big problem currently will be the computing power that it has, right? Not like uh, traditional servers or like big data centers where you can compute all sorts of big things, right? Like a lot of uh, your videos, you know, your big research projects, your machine learning kind of stuff. Those things take up a lot of computing power. You know, there's a lot of calculations, a lot of transmission, a lot of things going on. It's very unlikely to replicate that currently on the blockchain because most of the computing power does not have the capacity to do that at this moment in time. But that does not mean that uh, it may not happen into the future, but the very base as to why I think, you know, it's very powerful and then it can really kind of change the game is exactly that it is immensely secure. Right? You cannot breach it. It's very hard to breach it. So if we kind of re-envision how data is being worked across the ecosystem, then there may be a way to you know, kind of keep all our information and keep all our data even more you know, secured and safer and you know, kind of clean up the middleman. Which brings me to point number two as to why I'm so positive is that blockchain has already some use case that are very, very powerful. Exactly the idea of cleaning up the middleman. And we will dive into that after a word from our sponsor. When you can have a system 
that is not compromisable and cannot be attacked or, you know, theoretically very impossible to be attacked, it is a lot more reliant than the traditional way of, you know, managing things, which means we can remove all the clearing houses in the world. And what are clearing houses? You know, like when you're trying to remit money, all right? So clearing houses essentially are your middle guys kind of, you know, regulating the whole ecosystem, like your middleman, okay? So when you're trying to remit money, you want to send money from Singapore to the US, you go to the banks, there's a SWIFT system, and then you have to go through the remittance arrangement. When you're trying to buy stocks, you buy your, from your broker, your broker actually has to submit it to the clearing house to get it cleared and then approve. Whether you are maybe just, you know, trying to claim some insurance, you go to your insurer, your insurer has, you know, approved it, then the money will come out. So there's a lot of middleman activity in our today's world, which is really just on the center of clearing house, trying to keep the system accountable, keep the system, you know, trustworthy and just kind of make it work. But the reality is, if blockchain is extensively used throughout a lot of these um, ecosystems, which it can be because a lot of these things are very administrative and they're not very data heavy. They're not very research based or they're not very like a lot of video based. It's just like, okay, this data come in from the hospital, come in, proof that, you know, you have gotten into a certain scenario, blah, blah, blah. And then you can claim immediately goes in then the money can come out, right? Don't need to go through one after the next person, after the next person, after the next person to approve. So there are many, many potential use cases that can come with uh, the blockchain technology that has already been proven to some level, right? Like, um, the extensive use of cryptocurrency being traded across, you know, um, the different exchanges or being replaced as, as a form of like a point-to-point -point, uh, currency transfer, right? So, so that is already some use case there. And I believe that just based on this, we're not even talking about other innovation, right? Because of the use case and because of how I see things, I think, yeah, blockchain is here to stay and there's a lot of application that we cannot discount. And you can just go and think about it. The amount of work that is in the back end, that is in the middle office, the back office, you know, if you work in the banks, you know, right? There is so much work in the back office and so much disconnect with the front office that they have to set up this thing called the middle office to bridge both sides. Okay, but, but more importantly, once you understand this thing, you can kind of see so many things that can be replaced. Right, from your contracts to, you know, just to do notary, man. Like recently we had a notary experience and it was so terrible. I had to go through my lawyer and then get it notarized. She has to bring it to the court to confirm, get it chopped, come back, send to me, tie ribbon, I had to eat, I had to kind of, you know, mail this whole thing to KL because we set up an office there. And all these kind of things is like... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All highly administrative and highly based on the clearing idea. You're trying to keep the system accountable and functional. And if we can kind of put all these systems on the blockchain, it can make things so much simpler. And a lot of people are already using it, right? So it's not like a, it's not like 
there is there is more than public blockchains these days. So public blockchains are things like your Bitcoin blockchain or your Ethereum blockchains. But actually, a lot of companies that are taking this blockchain technology and running it on their private you know basis, which means they don't need random people all around the world to kind of run those computers to join in the blockchain. They themselves are paying to kind of host all these different computers to run their infrastructure on a blockchain. So that's pretty pretty interesting. Which brings me to point number three of why I'm very positive of the long-term blockchain future. And that is because it has reached a critical mass of talent, technology, and capital. And this is extremely important because there's enough people that wants this thing to work and enough people that knows how to use this. So the whole open source idea of blockchain and Ether from the very beginning, it's very, very um, you know, conducive for all these innovation and all these interesting things to pop up. It's kind of like the internet. It's kind of like the English language, kind of like 5G. So these are like very, very fundamental infrastructure technologies and then everybody's just kind of building on top of it. So wow, I can apply this onto my real estate contracts. I can apply this onto, you know, my accounting uh, arrangements. I can apply this into, you know, whatever, right? So people are starting to see in different ways and applying it in different industries and technology. So yeah, this will definitely be here to stay. Okay, just to give you some context, like um, previously, I think not so hot now, but previously there was a lot of talk about machine learning. And actually machine learning is a very old concept. It's been around since the 1990s, but it only stayed amongst the academias and the quote unquote very smart people. Limited people knew how to do it. Technology wasn't up for it. So it didn't apply until only, you know, the past few years. And it's the same idea. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys watched the movie called The Hidden Figures, the three black NASA ladies, you know, that were trying to challenge social stereotypes. But that's that not the focus today. But inside the movie, there's this machine called the IBM machine and nobody knew how to use it. But this black lady went to steal the book from the library, came back and taught all her girls and then they ended up, you know, running the whole IBM machine. And that is the reality of, you know, a lot of early technologies where only a small bunch of people knew how to use it. So it's very hard to make it prevalent. It's very hard for it to be adopted everywhere. But because of the open source arrangement of blockchain in the early stages right, where everybody can participate and, you know, it's not controlled by a certain company, Company. And, you know, that's kind of allowed a lot of people to learn how to use it and grew that whole talent pool, that technology application. A lot of money pours into this thing, which is great, you know, and that is kind of why we have where we are today. All these interesting applications that are coming up. So these are the three reasons as to why I'm super positive about the long-term blockchain future. I'm going to sum it up, right? So number one is that blockchain is immensely more secure than the traditional way of managing data infrastructure and using the high-speed internet connectivity, right? So it's a very different way of how data is being managed. So it's immensely more secure with the web ecosystem. Number two is that blockchain has, you know, a lot of serious use case already and it can already kind of replace, you can envision how it can replace a lot of the clearing houses and the middle offices out there today, which we actually, a big part of our economy is around these things. And number three is that it has reached a critical mass of technology, talent, and capital. Enough people want this thing to work. So yeah, I think it will work. And it's a, it's a miracle, it's amazing, and the power of open source. But all that being said, why am I not a Bitcoin buyer? Why am I not you know extremely positive about Bitcoin? It's because Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever coin is merely a byproduct 
of the blockchain, of the Bitcoin blockchain or the Ether blockchain so that it incentivizes you to put your time, your energy and your computing and your power into this blockchain. Because like what we have established before is that the whole idea of blockchain is that there are a lot of small little computers that are putting themselves into this chain to work right, to do whatever work that it needs to be done. And so in order to get people to do that, the incentive is to give you a cryptocurrency. And so if you participate in the Bitcoin blockchain, you have a random chance of getting a Bitcoin. If you participate in the Ether blockchain, you have a random chance of getting an Ether. And so that is to kind of, you know, incentivize people to participate and put their resources and computing power into this thing. And that is the fundamental. But things have taken a long, 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 long way from where it started, right? So things have changed dramatically. And we're going to talk about all these, you know, bull cases and why I don't subscribe to a lot of these cases next week. Okay, when we come back to talk about why I'm super positive about blockchain, but I do not own Bitcoin and I'm not so positive about Bitcoin. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the Financial Coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us, will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so yeah, I hope you learned some interesting stuff today. I know today we never talk a lot about finance stuff, but this is the building block to next week's episode as to why it is so important to understand these fundamentals, you know, that, you know, blockchain, what is a blockchain, you know, what, what are some of the use cases, what is the current situation out there, and yeah, so I think those are fundamental, but I also want you to know that I'm not a professional in this space, okay, I'm not, not exactly a professional in any space, <laughs> Yes, I'm not a Bitcoin pro. I'm not a like a crypto pro or blockchain pro. But yeah, we, we've brought some friends on that you will hear from them on the Thursday episodes, right? So um, hope you, you know, enjoy your time with them, kind of get their personal perspective, their professional view, and then we can have an even better discussion as we go along. So if you have any questions around Bitcoin, blockchain, or any other thing, you know, you can always come to the Telegram group and just kind of chat with us. So I hope you learned something useful. And then next week, we will spend a lot more time to talk about, you know, why I don't subscribe to the Bitcoin future despite being so positive about blockchain. 
later this week. Um, Arthur from Defiance Capital will be coming on. He's super big on the decentralized finance space, which is a particular use case for uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. So, so that's, that's very interesting. Uh, we could hear from him. And yeah, we'll see you next week. See ya.